This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Well, it's a privilege and honor to be up here this morning, but before I get into a time uh, in the Word, I just wanted to give you all a quick update about our building. Um, this past week, we got all of our permits approved, and by God's grace, amen, come on. It's been over a month and a half, and it's been going back and forth, but by God's grace, we were able to get that approved. Um, and um, they started working on the asbestos, and I think the asbestos, if I'm not corrected, is completed, so they can start doing work on the 6th. Aren't you excited? We're so excited, and also, um, I just want to thank each and every person for their continuous prayers and also your generosity. Um, I think the last update that I got, we are at $87,000. Woo! And that is awesome. That definitely shows that that's all God's grace, right? Um, It's scary that we were taking that leap of faith, not knowing where the finances were going to come. But God requires us to just take that faith, and he takes care of everything else. Amen? And it just shows us right here that he has been with us, and he is guiding us, and he is taking us through this journey, and he's providing for us. So all glory and honor belongs to him. But also, thank you to each and every one of you as well, because of your faithfulness and your obedience to his leading. We couldn't do this without you, so thank you. So I'm going to jump into the word. I know that everybody's been talking about the barbecue at pastures, and you'll probably have celebrations with families and all of those things. And I can hear some stomachs grumbling right now, thinking about all the food and barbecue that you're going to eat. But bear with me for the next two hours as I bring the word. It's the day that I speak for two hours, okay? (laughs) I'm not pastor. (laughs) Uh, If you all can grab your Bibles with me and join with me to Galatians 5, we're going to read a few scriptures here. Galatians 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And then we're also going to read verses 16 to 18. Is everyone there? Say amen. So Galatians 5 verse 1, so Christ has truly set us free, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again, if you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ and you have fallen away from God's grace. Going down to verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Father, I thank you for this morning that you have given to us, this opportunity to just dive into your word. I pray, God, that you will speak to me, that you will, Lord, 
let me break it down and help us to understand what you are speaking through your word this morning. I pray that our hearts will be open to receive, that you will continue to do a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you know what Independence Day is? By a show of hands. Let me see how many are paying attention in school. So it doesn't look like much was paying attention in school. And I'm not talking about the movie here. I'm talking about Independence Day and how it came about. So I'm going to take you all to school real quick. Independence Day is also known to many as July 4th, which is today. It's the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed as a few colonists were desired complete independence from Great Britain. They were tasked with drafting this formal statement of the colony's intentions, which asserted their right to choose their own government. Congress signed and adopted this formal statement, which is how this day came about. As time progressed, the Bill of Rights was also granted as well. And we as a nation enjoy unparalleled freedoms. The freedom to worship as one desires, the freedom of speech, the freedom to petition the government, the freedom to have a trial by jury, etc. This nation has defended her freedoms through the course of her history, which is why today is largely celebrated by many people by concerts, food, fireworks, etc. And although we get to enjoy these freedoms as Americans, that's not what I'm here for on the stage this morning to talk about, to give you guys a history lesson, to talk about patriotism, how great it is to live in America. That's not what I'm here for this morning. I'm here to talk about another freedom that surpasses that our American freedom. An American freedom that many countries long for, many, free, many individuals long for. I'm talking about another freedom that surpasses all of that. And that is our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. The book of Galatians is a letter that Paul is writing to the church because after his departure, certain Judaizers were trying to persuade the Galatian Christians to go back and observe the Jewish laws and rituals which went against the gospel that Paul was preaching throughout time. When he went to Galatia, he preached the gospel. He established the church and he left. And these individuals are coming back and trying to twist the word that he had preached to these individuals. The Judaizers were trying to tell these Galatian Christians that faith alone in Christ was not sufficient for salvation, but that they also had to receive circumcision. In other words, salvation was through our works, and, not, and without works, the Gentiles could not be justified. And so I'm not going to go over this whole chapter. You can do that on your own. But I just kind of wanted to give you an over, overview of what this book is, as we're just going to kind of focus on chapter 5 today. So chapters 1 and 2, when you, when you study this on your own, you'll see that Paul defends his apostleship. He's giving the church his own personal testimony because these individuals were attacking him as a person. And in chapters 3 and 4, you see that Paul defends the justification by faith alone. He starts bringing in the biblical standpoint from the Old Testament. And then as you'll see in chapters 5 and 6, which we'll go, kind of go over today, you'll see how Paul defends the normal Christian life. And you say normal Christian life, bear with me as we dive deeper and you'll understand what I mean by that. So as we go back to verse one, it says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to law. The New King James Version says, stand fast. 
Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty by which Christ has made us free. In the Greek, liberty means elotero, and free is elotheria. I probably butchered that. Elotero and elotheria. I don't believe it's by accident that Paul uses two similar words here, elothero and elotheria. I believe he is using these two words as emphasis of what the message that he's trying to portray to the church here. This verse summarizes everything that he was defending in the previous chapters. Even if you don't read the previous chapters, by reading this one verse, you'll kind of get a gist of what he was talking about in the book. It can be translated into, from the Greek, freed by Christ to be free, or liberated by Christ to be free. I'm going to say that again, freed by Christ to be free, or liberated by Christ to be freed. It sounds redundant at first when you hear it, but it's a powerful reminder here. It's a reminder for us as believers, as human beings, that in our human nature, that power that continually tries to deceive us into believing that we can live the Christ life in our own strength by keeping certain rules. I've got news. We cannot live the life that Christ wants us to have by depending on oneself. Jesus said in the scriptures that he could provide true freedom. In John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this freedom can come no other way except through Jesus. Any freedom outside of Christ is just an illusion because it's temporary. And I'm going to repeat that one more time. Any freedom outside of Christ is an illusion because it's temporary. So this freedom of this nation that we get to enjoy as individuals this could be taken away from us at any moment because it's not guaranteed. This freedom that we get to enjoy wasn't there before and it was established years ago. But who's to say that something won't change and it can be all taken away? But the freedom that we get to enjoy in Christ Jesus can never be taken away because it's for sure guaranteed. So what is this freedom that Paul is referring to in, in verse one? Point number one, he's talking about freedom from law. Freedom from law. Don't get tied up again in slavery to law. And the New King James Version says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The law that Paul is referring to is the Mosaic law. It has 613 commandments. And it was given by God to the Israelites to guide them because when sin entered the world, the only solution there was was full, full adherence to God's law. The law went into extensive detail, telling exactly what a person could and couldn't do, excuse me, could and couldn't do, and how to approach him in holy worship. So can you imagine trying to remember 613 commandments and follow them to a T on a daily basis? There's no way. I don't know about you, but when growing up, when, when a parent or an adult told you not to do something, didn't you have the urging to do it anyway? I don't know. I don't know about you, but it's maybe something about living on the edge here. <laughs> I didn't know I had sound effects on the stage. Um, I still remember when I was a kid, my parents um, used to tell me this very often because I used to love 
kids. I used to love babies. Every time you saw me as a little girl, I would try to find every way possible to hold a child. Even if I didn't even know the child, you would see me holding this baby. That's how much I loved kids. And my parents would tell me, especially my mom, she would tell me, Sonia, you're not old enough to hold these kids. They can fall. They can hurt. Do not hold. Hold it. But that didn't stop me. You can see me as a five-year-old and six-year-old holding a child that's probably bigger than I am, and I'm sitting here like this. And that baby's crying and crying. I'm like, oh, she loves me, you know, and I'm just holding this child. But that's how much I love babies. And I always was around them. So in our church, old church, we didn't have sea kids back then. We had to actually attend service. Thank you. We didn't, we uh, actually had to attend service. So I was either staying with my parents, sitting with my parents, or I was actually sitting in the front where all the other kids, so the parents could actually keep an eye on us. And uh, it was split this way. There was a, we were broken into guys on this side and girls on this side. And so whenever I had to get up and go use the restroom, I would see my dad looking at me. I don't know about you, but they don't even have to say anything, but it's just that deathly stare you just already know, right? And he would stare at me like, and I could already, already could picture what he was saying, like, where are you going right now? And I would look down, not even giving him eye contact. I would get up from the front, and there was no other exit. The only exit was all the way in the back over there, going down this middle aisle. And I would remember, I would get up and I would try to avoid eye, eye contact as I was leaving, leaving the sanctuary. And I could even feel his eyes piercing me as I, as I even passed him. I felt like his eyes were piercing me from behind. But he didn't have a problem with me going to the restroom. He had a problem with me because I never came back. <laughs> what happened was I would go use the restroom But then afterwards, I would see all the kids in the back because the parents had all the kids in the back to avoid them being a disruption in the, in the service. So I would stay back there. I would stay back there. I would play with the kids, and I wouldn't come back to service. And so I would get into trouble. And so no matter how much my parents told me, and even though how much I got beat, it didn't matter. I still, I still did it anyway. And I think I'm paying for it right now because when I see my kids and I tell them not to do something, I tell them not to touch the candy bowl, I feel like they're testing me at times. They, they take their hand out and the bowl is right there and they look at me and they're like this. And I'm like, don't you dare touch that. And they look and they inch and they inch and they inch. And I'm like, girl, you play too much. You know, and they do that. But that's just one commandment. Don't touch the candy jar. That was only one rule. There was only one rule, and it was still hard to obey. So there was no way that anyone could follow 613 commandments on a daily basis. And because of that, Paul said, it is a yoke of bondage. What is a yoke? I have a picture. If you're going to put that on the screen. A yoke is this. It's a wooden frame by which two animals such as an oxen, are joined at the head or neck to enable them to pull together the load when working together. If you can show that next picture of the two oxens. So as you can see here, it's around its neck. And they would 
put this so the oxen can walk in unison, and they're carrying the load that's behind them together, and they're carrying it. And you would hear this word yoke pretty often in the Old Testament as well because the Israelites were under the yoke of slavery as well. It was a form of bondage. And they were, try- they were carrying the burden of trying to meet the demands of the law, which they could not meet. And they had fearful condemnation of being disobedient. And although God created these laws, it was not bad. It was good. There was something that was needed during that time. It was, it was a form of disciplinarian for the Israelites. But God knew that the only way that mankind could receive salvation is through a perfect sacrifice, which was through his perfect son, Jesus. But in Matthew 5, 17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Aren't you thankful for Jesus this morning? that he came to fulfill those laws, that our Jesus died for our disobedience and bore our condemnation in our place. He redeemed us from the curse of the law and struck the yoke from our shoulder and set us free so that we're able to stand upright this morning. He paid our debt, and because of his mercy and grace, we are saved. And so after teaching all of this, Paul is stressing to the church Why? Don't go back to that yoke of bondage. Don't go back to that mentality, that slavery of mentality. Why would you do that? If an oxen, right, is roaming free and he's doing whatever he needs to do and he sees a yoke standing over there, is he going to say, oh, let me get back up in there? Does he say, oh, I like that thing around my neck, right? Does he do that? No. Because he enjoys his freedom. Animals will do whatever it takes for them to not be confined. And so he's asking believers, he's asking the church as well, why would you want to go back to that? Some of us are living in that slavery mentality today. Not the law that Paul is referring to, but from a spiritual standpoint. Many of us have asked Jesus to come into our lives, to uh, come into our heart and be the Lord of our lives, but yet we feel stuck and we feel trapped. We struggle with these voices that we hear from the enemy that tells us that you will never be good enough. You are a failure. God can't use you. God couldn't truly love you after all that you have done. You are a mistake. You are haunted by your past mistakes and you're not able to overcome them. We are living, people are struggling with that till today. And what I can think of, I was trying to think of an illustration that kind of summarizes all of that. And I thought of these backpacks that they have for toddlers. Have you seen those? Right? For the child, they're excited because they got this cute backpack that looks like an animal. And they're like, oh, yeah, I got a buddy on my back. I get to store things. And they think, yay, I get have freedom. As they're going to the store or wherever they're at, dad didn't put me in the stroller. Mom is not holding me. I get to walk on my own. I probably have freedom. And so they feel, all right, the sky's the limit here. And as soon as they start running, they realize, boom, they get pulled back. They don't have the freedom that they thought they had. 
because something was holding them back or someone was holding them back from fulfilling what they were supposed to do. Christ paid an awfully high price for us to live a life of freedom, for us to be, still be in this mentality. Sometimes we only want Christ to transform our spiritual lives, but not our mind, not our thoughts, not our beliefs about ourselves. And that's why he's saying it's very important to stand fast, stand firm in faith, continue to persevere, remind yourself who you are in Christ, remind the enemy what the scripture says. Memorize Bible verses when the enemy tries to tell you that you are nothing, you are a mistake. You speak back to the enemy and say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed and behold, the new has come. And if he he tries to tell you that you are not going to be able to accomplish anything in life, you will not be able to pass the exam. You respond back and say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And if you feel that you are unworthy of his love, you will respond back and say, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. It's time that we get out of this mentality, this yoke that keeps our head low, just like the oxen. They're not able to move around. They're in that position until it's taken off. And it's time for us as believers, as Christians, that we take that off and we stand upright because what he's done, he's broke it off of our neck. And you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. Just like the song that we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a, what, child of God. Sometimes we have, to, we have to actually believe what we're singing. I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. It's important for us to remind ourselves who we are in Christ and get out of that mentality. Going on to verse 2, Paul says, listen, I tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ and you have fallen away from God's grace. In the Old Testament, circumcision was a sign of the covenant, which signified Abraham's covenanted commitment to the Lord, that the Lord alone would be his God and whom he would trust and serve. The rite of circumcision was made part later in the law of Moses. But Paul didn't have a problem with this procedure. He didn't have a problem with it. But what he did have a problem with was what this outward act had come to signify to the Jews. The original meaning of what it was intended for was twisted and it signified a theology of keeping the law to attain righteousness. That one needed to receive circumcision in order to gain merit before God and be fully saved. Keep in mind, they only did this to males. So imagine how women felt during that time. They couldn't have it. So they felt that they could not obtain salvation. And unfortunately, the same spiritual blindness is with us today. For many people believe that the church membership 
baptism, or even participation in the Lord's Supper automatically guarantees their salvation. What's done on the outside, even a physical ceremony that you may have, for others to see gives a false sense of how spiritual we really are. It's why he's saying if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Having faith in Christ makes us justified by his grace. Our standing with God is based on what Jesus did on that cross and through his resurrection, not by anything that we have done. And the new covenant is the type of circumcision that Christ did was of the spirit and not of the flesh. It was an inward experience and not an outward experience. So when you accept Jesus into your heart, he removes the stony heart and replaces it with a new heart so we can love him with all of our heart so there's nothing that takes place or gets in the way of him. So that's why Jesus took all of those 613 commandments and mashed it all together because he fulfilled all of those and he said you only need to, only need to follow two. And we all know that. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. He knew that if we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our response to him would be obedience out of love. Obedience to his commandments, the commandment about taking water baptism, not as a way to get to heaven, but as a public declaration of faith in dying to our sins and believing that we were made whole by the resurrection power. Participating in the Lord's Supper, not as a way to be saved, but in remembrance of him and what he did on that cross. And when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, we'll be joyfully willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because he knew that if we loved him, we would do it joyfully and not because we were obligated to do so. That's why he says in verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. In other translations, it says to walk in the spirit. Walk in the Spirit in our day-to-day, -day, every moment, every step that we take. It's important for us to yield to the Spirit in our workplaces, in our school, in our home, everywhere. That we're sensitive to the Word, that we listen to the Spirit's Word, that we discern His will and follow His guidance. This is the normal Christian life that Paul was talking about. Because when we begin to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit and not the things of this world, we will not carry out the desires of our flesh. And that's point number two, freedom from sin. The first one was freedom from law and freedom from sin. You know, the other day I was having this conversation with someone and they wanted to know my testimony. 
And I was sharing to them what my life was like before I truly accepted Jesus and being filled with the Spirit. And I was telling them how I used to live my life and how I used to carry myself and how I used to li listen to inappropriate music and talk a certain way and carry myself that did not make me different from anyone else. And I was explaining to them that I, I went to church on a regular basis, but I was continuing to do what I wanted to do Monday through Saturday. The normal Christian life is a life of liberty, lived through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit and for the glory and honoring honor of God. I wasn't depending on the Holy Spirit in my decisions. I was making decisions on myself. I was doing whatever I wanted. I wasn't honoring God by the way I was living. I was just meeting my quota of coming to church on a Sunday morning, thinking that that was enough, but it wasn't. I was marking it off on my checklist and said, I went to church today. Let me go on my separate way. But I told this individual that once I was filled with the Holy Spirit and power, I still remember every detail to this day because I was at a youth camp. And it was not something that I expected during that time. And being filled with the Holy Spirit and power completely changed my life. I wasn't satisfied in listening to that filth that I used to listen to. I found my value in Christ, which allowed me to carry myself differently for others to see. He began to do a work in me to get rid of all the junk that I was carrying on that was holding me back from fulfilling the purpose and the plan that he had in store for me. The Holy Spirit helped me not to take the grace that was available for me for granted. Sometimes we think that I can sin, I can do this, but it's okay because I can go into the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, he'll forgive me. Lord, please forgive me, and he will. There's no sin that's too great for his forgiveness. But if you are a true believer and love Jesus with all of your heart, you cannot do those same things because what makes you different from an unbeliever? And he gave me, that. the Holy Spirit gave me that desire to know about this Jesus, to know more about this Jesus and strive to be the person that he wants me to be. Am I perfect? Of course not. Do I fall short? Every day. But because of that, it shows that I can't do this on my own and that I need his presence more and more and I need his spirit in my life each and every day because we fall short all the time. How many of you love illustrations? I do, right? I feel like sometimes that speaks more volume, volumes than me being up here for 20 minutes and trying to speak. Um, if y'all can help me bring that illustration out here. Look at my lovely assistants here. Thank you. <clears throat> So here we have a glass of water. And this represents when we accepted Jesus into our life, right? We're full, probably tastes good, but I'm not gonna taste it. And we have everything going where it seems like, okay, we got everything good. But just because we accepted Jesus into our life doesn't mean that everything else is taken care of. 
because our friends haven't changed yet. We're still hanging around in the same situations. We're still struggling with our baggage. We're probably still holding on to things that we haven't let go, even though we accepted Christ. And so, as a believer, Some of us, this is the lemon. Some of us are still holding on to that bitterness that we may have, but we're still saved. And some of that bitterness is going in here. This here is a clear liquid. It's probably self-righteousness here, trying to pretend that everything is okay when it's not. You want to make, make yourself look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're struggling. This one, I had to bring hot sauce because we were in Texas. Hot sauce. Some of us are dealing with anger. I'm going to keep going because I feel like some people are dealing with real anger. Oh, let me keep going. No, I'm just joking. This one, it's green. Some of us are dealing with envy. Ooh, I'm gonna spill this. Okay, let's see. So I'm gonna put a little bit of that in our life. What else we got in here? We got this. Some of us, I think I spilled all this. Some of us, are dealing with addictions, things that we're not able to let go, unforgiveness. And the last one is this dark one. It's our deepest, darkest secrets. Some of us are struggling with adultery, pornography, and all of those things that are holding us back. When you look at this, we're saved. This is what people see. We accepted Jesus into our life, but we're still holding on to this junk that's inside of us, and we have fully not let it go. And that's why in the scripture, Paul says, not only is it good enough to know that Jesus died for us and that we don't have that slavery mentality, but that it's a reminder that we fill our lives with the Holy Spirit and that we use the Holy Spirit to guide our lives on a daily basis. Because as the Holy Spirit begins to fill you, when he fills you, you can't just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you once a week because it looks like you still have some junk in there. Maybe twice a week? Does that still look good to you? 
What about three times a week? No, we have to do it on a daily basis and let the Holy Spirit continue to fill us to the point that everything is taken out. I probably should have got a bigger jar, but y'all get the idea. You see how clear it is? Everything that was in our life completely came out of our lives. And that is just a, a reflection of what the Holy Spirit does when we reside and let the Holy Spirit guide our lives on a daily basis. Being dependent on who he is and not on our own understanding. To get rid of that junk that we've been struggling and holding us, that, that we've been holding on to. And as you notice, as the Holy Spirit continues to fill our lives on a daily basis, he doesn't just fill it to the brim, right? As he continues to fill it, it fills to the point that it overflows. It overflows for that the others around you can see it as well. Your friends, your family, the people that you have an encounter with, they get to see that too as the filling of the Holy Spirit not only fills you, but it, overflow, it, it overflows and touches the lives of people that you come in contact with. They start to see a difference in you that wasn't there before. They begin to see something and wonder, what is it that she has? I long for that. And what they're seeing is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, kindness. We can't live this Christian life coming and attending service once a week and going back the same way and it not transforming our lives. There has to be a difference People has to see a difference in our attitude and how we carry ourselves. When we go through struggles in life, how are we responding to that? Are we, are we cursing God and saying, why did you bring this to me? Why am I going through this sickness? Or are you saying, Lord, I trust in you. I believe in you. I love you no matter what I go through. That will never change. How is your response to him this morning? It's important for us that we remind ourselves who we are in Christ and get out of that mentality of keeping our head low. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I see believers, I don't even see a smile on their face. Like they seem so sad and discouraged and distraught. And sometimes when you see that, you're like, I don't want that. Why are they so negative? Why are they Debbie Downer, right? Every time you talk to them, they bring you down. But when you accept Jesus for who he is, you're full of life, you're full of joy, you're full of peace. Let that be a reflection on the outside for people to see as well. And it's normal for us to feel down. I'm not saying that we're perfect and we're going to have it all together. I wouldn't want you to go like this, walking around with a fake smile the whole time and saying, oh, I have everything all together, yay. You know, I would want you to be real, obviously. 
But what I'm trying to say is oftentimes what we speak out comes from our heart, right? The words that come out of our, heart, our mouth is oftentimes what we believe in our heart. So I'm saying if you continue to fill your lives with the Holy Spirit and depending on him and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. He will fill you up and he will give you the the strength to do what you need to do. He will give you the guidance. He will give you the wisdom and you will begin to have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, patience, patience to go through that kindness to handle that situation with someone that you're pretty angry with, right? Filling ourselves with the Spirit. If I can have the worship team come up. As Chuck Swindoll put it beautifully, he said, You see, Christ didn't set us free without purpose or to no end, nor did he set us free so we could enslave ourselves to the nearest legalist or embark on a wild frenzy of immorality. Christ set us free so we can bask in the benefits of his salvation, living out our freedom in Christ without guilt or condemnation. This freedom offers a new lifestyle. Now we have the ability to live by the Spirit's power. We're free to obey God and do his will joyfully, and we can love and serve others. We're able to enter into the Lord's presence through prayer, experience a close and personal relationship with him. And before salvation, we couldn't take advantage of any of these benefits. We were penniless. We were pathetic slaves to sin. But now, as wealthy, free men and women, we can enjoy them to the fullest because Christ has set us free so that way we may enjoy freedom. Are you living a life of freedom this morning or are you living a life of bondage? Are you struggling with condemnation? Are you struggling with fear and insecurity? Are you struggling with sin? I'm here to tell you that this is your moment with your Savior. To say, Lord, here I am. I know I have accepted you probably 10 years ago. But I rededicate my life to the Lord. I've lived in church my whole life. But what you do in church and what you do for others to see, like I said, doesn't justify your spirituality. Your personal walk with the Lord and your relationship with Him and what you believe in just has already been justified. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.